Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Stripe Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water, do you believe? We have a great show for you guys today. Former Blue Jays manager John Gibbons joins the boys to talk about his career and baseball, because it's coming back. So buckle up, tuck it into your waistband, because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back. We sitting here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. Clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History title. Back. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Bases loaded. Two out. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. Hit your free throws because they're free. So 254. Come on hot at you guys and so 253. And on the show, I'll be joined by Alex Toss Me the Rock Disopolis and Nikki Snacks. Krahaida. And it's a good one. As you heard in the intro, we got former Blue Jays manager John Gibbons joining the show. So without further ado, let's get on into the interview because it's a great one. Enjoy. You heard at the top of the show, guys. We have former manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, John Gibbons, joining the boys today. He's currently with the Braves right now, scouting. And John, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Glad to be here. You know, it's uh, this is kind of the new thing, I guess, nowadays. And it's kind of always it's always good to come on talk baseball, whatever. So I'm glad you guys invited me. Listen, man, we're always pumped to talk baseball. It's one of our favorite. It's my probably my favorite pastime sport. Nick's too. Alex loves it as well. And there's nothing. I couldn't be more excited that they've come to an agreement and baseball is coming back. Um, you know, obviously it wasn't the way we wanted it to go, but it got done nonetheless. And we're excited to have you, man. Uh, a former manager in the building. Um, we've had players on recently at Drew Pomerantz. We had Brad Keller. And they've spoke about their experience kind of coming up through the minor, minor leagues as players. Now, what many people don't realize, obviously there's 20. It's so hard to make the show, right? And you can attest because you've been a player. But it's almost right. harder to make it as a coach and a manager because there's way less spots available on the roster and your road right. from player to manager. It's, it's crazy. There's only 30 spots in the show for that. So if you can touch upon the difficulties and some of the winding roads, because it's pretty crazy having to come through the minors again as a manager and how tough that is and kind of your decision process, I guess. And when you decided you wanted to go into coaching and that was the path you were going to take. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm glad you guys had me here. It is a, it is a long road, you know, in, in professional sports, regardless, you know, uh, what sport, I mean, it's, it's very, very difficult. Baseball's baseball's kind of unique, you know, the, uh, you know, basketball, football, some of the other sports, you know, you come out of college, you go right to the 
so what we'd call the big leagues or the NFL or NBA, what have you. Baseball, you go down to the minor leagues, and you know it may take three, four, five years. Yeah, you it's may never crazy. Show up. You may not. You may never even make it. You know, they may give you a lot of money uh, after they draft you, and still you may never make it to the big leagues. Uh, and a lot of guys fall by the wayside. You know, um, for me personally, I got drafted in 1980 by the Mets. The Mets had three first-round picks that year. Daryl Strawberry was the number one in the nation. I think to tell you to, to show you how times have changed. This was 1980. The number I think Daryl number one pick in the nation, probably one of the best prospects ever. Yeah, uh, should have been a Hall of Famer. I think he got like two hundred fifty thousand dollars bonus, right? Now, nowadays, that number one pick in the nation—I don't know, it's like, I don't, what is it like eight, nine million or something like that? Anyway, so any, so Billy Bean was the second Mets pick in the first round, the general manager out there in Oakland, and then I was the twenty-fourth pick, third. So one one was a pretty good player, the other became a general manager, the other became a coach. Pretty good so company. Guy, yeah, 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 good guys too. We're, we're all pretty tight, but you know, I might. You know, I played a couple years in New York. A lot of it was up and down between AAA and the big leagues. Uh, not the kind of playing career that I wanted. Um, and then I got to the point, you know, I was starting to have a family. And, and I was a catcher, so catchers can always find jobs in the minor league. You know, the teams are always looking. So I could have kept going and hope, hopefully maybe got a little more time in the big leagues. Mm. But I, kind of, I saw the writing on the wall, and I'd always had an interest in coaching, though, and, and from, from a young age, from my high school days whether it be professionally, college, or, or high school. That was something I always had some interest in. So I, it came came a point in time when the Mets called me, who were Mets with the team that drafted me, they called me back. At the time, I was playing with the Phillies AAA team. And they said, hey, we're looking for a roving catching instructor for the minor league organization next year if you want to do that. So I gave it some thought. I thought, you know what, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head that direction. My playing days are starting to run out. I'm going to go into coaching. So that I did that for a couple of years. Then they made me a minor league manager. And then, uh, you know, I did that, you know, for a few years. And then eventually an old buddy of mine got the general manager job in Toronto, a guy named J.P. Rashardi, and he brought me over there. And that's kind of how that all that all started. And uh, But, it, you know, it's, it is a, it's definitely – I mean, it's a tough road for a player to get to the big leagues. It's It might be doubly tough for a coach or, man, you know. That's what I'm because, thinking. That's like what I'm thinking. Said, yeah, I mean, you, you got, you know, you got to be somebody's got to like you, and give you an opportunity. <laughs> but you know, you got it's a, you, you really the way it starts is probably if you're a friend of the guy that's managing the team, they okay, they bring you on as a third base coach, first base coach, outfield instructor, whatever it might be, and then somebody likes you and they end up hiring you. That's kind of how it how it used to work. But guys in the past would go down the minor leagues and, and manage a coach down there for for years. With the with the dream and goal of getting to the big leagues as a coach and then hopefully a manager, manager. but those I mean that that's changed big time now. You know, with all the, with the, the analytics that's taken over baseball, now you you get now your front offices are made up of basically young, very smart kid. You know, highly intelligent, uh, a lot of Ivy leaguers, things like that. Not necessarily sports guys as youngsters, but you know, very very intelligent. And so that, that's kind of the way the, the, the game's gone. So they, everything's based on analytics now. So a lot, a lot what's happened too, they, they don't they don't put as much uh, emphasis emphasis or credence on the fact that somebody's been paid their dues in the minor leagues and learn you know learn the ropes down doing that. Now they'll bring you in there because they feel a lot of times they figure we got numbers. It doesn't matter what experience doesn't matter one bit. You know, no, plug in the numbers or you, you kind of shape it that way. 
it's it's going to work out. So that's why you see nowadays you see guys that haven't ever coached in the minor leagues, manage period, they get big league jobs because you know they they go they go along for the ride. You know they're willing to you know take more guidance from the front offices because that's that's basically what it's turned into. And uh, even, but there's been some you know pretty good guys, some guys that were pretty good big league players that have stepped right into the managing ranks. But I don't think you're going to get a big league managing job nowadays unless you're on board with all the all the analytics and willing to take. Yeah, it's you, a it's your, a mar- your marching orders from the front office. That's the only way you're getting it. It's an interesting line because I mean you do look look at a guy like the Yankees, like Boone, right? Boone kind of hopped right. right in right away, and you know, we all know he's down for the analytics and he's game for that. He's a newer, younger age coach. Cora kind of moved rather quickly, I'd say as well. Um, it right. to me, it's interesting. Obviously, listen, numbers don't lie. You know what I'm saying? Numbers don't lie. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. But there also has to be a fine line of, like, hey, you know, there has to be a semblance of feel for the game, an understanding right. of where the game's going. So, kind of, based on what you're saying, I feel like there does have to be that fifty-fifty split. Um, well, you and, know what the thing is. You know, I mean, if the game was played by robots and you were guaranteed a certain outcome if you if you did the right thing every time. Okay, yeah, that'd be different. But you know, it was played by human beings. You know, you know, some some days they're, you know, some days they're out of it. Some there are some days that are just aren't are bad days. And, you know, the it, analytics can't measure the, you know, the the heart or the competitiveness, or you know, all the all the all the little things. You know, the fear. Some some guys. Some one thing about your great players in, in, in professional sports. You know, they don't they don't fear much, man. They love the challenge. They love the competition. In the and usually your best players, they're they're able to focus or whatever it is, and they're more productive in, during the uh, tough crunch times because they for they can whatever they can do they do it differently. Where the lesser guy might be a, still be a good major league player, but you know what he, he's not he's not as confident in certain situations mm-hmm. as, as the superstar. Yeah. And so that affect that affects his performance. He's still he's still a good player, but he should be a superstar. Or, but he's not. So that's kind of the human element, you know, in, 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 you know, the, how the mind works, confidence, the ups and downs, you know, you can have a bad day, you, you know, you can have a bad day at home with your family, you go to, you take it to the ballpark, your head somewhere else, you're probably not going to be as good. I don't care what the numbers say, whether you should face that guy or not. You know? So there's a lot of little things that you can't measure with numbers that are very, very important, but numbers still don't lie. You know, yeah. they are what they are. Yeah, I know. It's it's. I've been like one of the. I'm a stat junkie personally, but I've also been right. one of the. I've also been one of the last people to be like war is ever. I have a buddy who will tell me war is anything. You can't tell me otherwise. That's how we're measuring the best player. And if his war is not higher than his war, he's not a better player. Period. And I'm like, yeah, but the other thing, there's other other tangibles. I don't know that I just feel that are going to a ball player like the human aspect like the clutch factors the personalities you know and what they do for right. the team that should also be taken into account more than just the number um but in your you time know, I, I, let, me give, let me give you a quick example we please had, you know you know jose batista i was about to bring him up great, great player in the game right love him who, who was the who was the, it was a pitcher uh ubaldo jimenez mm-hmm. you know he started out in colorado one of the top guys again he went to cleveland then he ended up in baltimore yeah in in the, the the numbers said uh, Jose should hit this guy right. Yeah. I mean, it just if you wait at it up. But at the time, you know, there's always been the big controversy. What, what's a what's a good number of at bats to judge whether somebody 
you know, if you get 10 or 20 at-bats against somebody, it doesn't necessarily tell you a whole lot. But you started getting up there in 40s or 50s, you know, you get a little better idea. So anyway, Jose, I, I can't remember exactly, but Jose was like three for maybe 50, something off, off Ubaldo, right? Yeah. And I'd seen, I'd seen, but the the numbers is, is it when they, they came out said, you know, he, he should, you know, he, he should, his OPS should be this against this guy to go by the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. So, so my argument was, okay, first off, okay, when's that going to happen? He's got 40, 50 at bats. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and number two, go back to the human element. Jose knows he struggles. He can't hit this guy, right? Yeah. Now it's in his head, obviously. And you can see the frustration every time he faced him. Ubaldo on the mound knows Jose can't hit him. He knows he can get him out. And it, it's it's funny, at the, t- at, at the time when Ubaldo was in, in Baltimore, for some reason he owned our team, uh, the Blue Jays. Except he, when he it counted. But yeah, but he's, but yeah, 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 that's right. But he, he struggled like hell against everybody else in the league. I mean, he, he had like that eight or nine ERA, but he, he owned us. And so th- 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 there's kind of the mental thing. Whenever yeah. we're going to face him, you knew it's, this was going to be a tough battle. You know, when maybe Boston or Tampa faced him, they thought, God, we're looking forward to this night. So that's kind of the, you know, where the numbers come in. So my, one of my arguments always was, okay, this says the projections say he should do this. You should, I said, okay, when's that going to happen? I mean, we're starting to accumulate a certain number of bats and Jose knows he don't want to face this guy. And the other guy <laughs> won't love to face him. So that's kind of what, what I'm talking about. There's, there's more to it than, you know, yeah, I mean but it's that, it's it's that mental thing that's like confidence. I mean, I feel like every single team probably has, you know, those players that are like for for me, like there's Padres killers out there that don't that don't do well against other teams. For some reason, they always show up when they play against the Padres and you know, they yeah. get home runs in a season. It's like, come on. I can t- I can tell you as a player who, who didn't have a very good career, there were certain guys I might I might have faced. You know, I just felt good. I knew when I when I faced this guy for whatever reason, I don't care how good he was. Something good was going to happen. Yeah, so that's just good. Okay, and he, I can face the other guy. It may be a, one of the lesser pitchers in the in the league or whatever, and I I cannot touch him. I cannot sniff him. And so going in, your your mind's telling you that already. So like you said, the, you got certain guys that own the Padres when they, it's well, and they know it. They know yeah. going in, man. You know the things are going to be good. They're, so they're feeling good when they go to the ballpark. Yeah, and the other guy, the other guy don't want the other guy's looking for a way out of the game that night because he stinks against somebody. I feel like baseball is definitely the biggest team mental sport game, you know, like That's in terms of, yeah. in terms of like being a coach, I feel like you also have to be kind of like the, the, the team psychiatrist as well. You know, you got to like talk to these guys and let them know, you know, you know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta look at the numbers and you gotta, um, you know, stay true to your game. I think that's a great point. You know, Nick. But, and that's what yeah, I was I, baseball curious about. Such a, you know, a base, 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 baseball is such a mental game more so than mm-hmm. the other ones. You know, in football, you know, you can you can hit somebody harder, you can run harder, you can whatever it might be. You know, the, the maybe the harder you try, the better you're going to be, right? Baseball, it's almost like the harder you try, the worse you get. Right. You know, because you want to relax, you want to be, be able to slow the game down. That's what the really good ones do. So, uh, so the mind is the mind is so big, and you know, every team now has one or two sports psychologists, or a couple sports, couple psychologists, once for the sports end of it, the other ones for the maybe the off field stuff. Everybody's got one or two psychiatrists, so I mean, there's yeah, there's no shortage of that. The, the game's finally is re- realized the importance of that, mm-hmm. and so they all they all hire them. And, and uh, for sure, it's, it's funny, you know, it's it's a, it's you know, it's just, 
it's a sport of failure. You know, like you guys all know, you're, you, you can fail what three or seven out of 10 times. You're a great hitter. Yeah. And you're, yeah. and you're, so you're yeah, you're probably gonna be one. and you're hanging it. and you're in there. You know, yeah. So it's, anyway, it's remarkable. And I, I think from a, from a, kind of what Nick kind of touching what Nick was saying, you know, kind of being the team psychiatrist and kind of keeping that mental state going for everybody in, in the clubhouse. Um, we've seen it happen time and time again. Like I'm a, I'm, I grew up a Sox fan. Right. And so I remember fondly when the whole fried chicken situation, beer in the clubhouse, right. and there's that whole, and the, and you know, and then Terry gets in trouble. Right. And then, and then Frankie gets in trouble. He's, he's in trouble for it and gets canned. Um, there's that level of mentality and kind of you, kind of built that in your second stint in Toronto you Donaldson Batista Encarnacion you guys embodied and kind of you could see a culture change in Toronto and I'm curious to see what it's like to a help grow those players take a player like Donaldson who's kind of budding all-star into an MVP take a guy who like Encarnacion who's kind of you know been a journeyman not been fully there and not hit his, hit his potential to a perennial all-star and then keep Batista in that same vein and kind of build that culture in Toronto because uh, it just looks so important, kind of building that team mentality. And kind of I want to hear your takes and how you, how you affected that in a way. Right. Well, you know what? You know, my style, I was always trying to be a confident, confident guy, but trying to be a confidence booster. You know, I'm, you know I, don't, I, I didn't necessarily talk a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I had very few team meetings. If I want to talk to somebody, it's usually on a – individual basis in my office or things like that. Um, I always found the more you talk, the less they listen. It's kind of like your kids, you know? So, and then, so, so, you know, I, I, baseball is also the sport, like I mentioned a while ago, you know, know, the other sports, you get revved up, you're probably, you're probably a better player. So, you know, that, that coaching style can be more, more emotional, more aggressive. No, there's time for that in baseball. You you need every you need to know let everybody know you have a heartbeat. You can't just be like this all the time. You gotta boom. So, but so I think it's very important that you're you're yeah you're you're steady with your emotions and confident and confident. Now, as far as what happened in Toronto, my first go around there, you know, we we had some really good players, but that was kind of back in the day when the Red Sox and the Yan- Yankees were like, I mean hits above everybody else. You know, you know, yeah. come June they when June rolled around they were like. 10, 15 games above everybody else, you know, Crazy. So, there, so that, so that, so that was basically, basically over. So there's no, there's no question you win with better players, you know, especially in, you know, when you play so many games in baseball, you know, teams with the best players going to win. Now a manager can screw, screw more things up than he can probably help when you got a good team. So, but you know, I, what I just try to do is, is, you know, I'm a confident confidence boost and bring out the most of these guys. But what happened there, my second go around, I came back. You know, we made we made a big trade after, uh, with the Miami Marlins. We brought in Mark Burley, um, Jose. Jose, Jose Reyes. Yeah. Uh, remember Johnson? Uh, with Josh Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Josh yeah. Johnson. He had a, uh, he had a two three ERA one year. I remember that like yesterday. He had a big two, strong guy. No yeah. Problem, you know. Yeah. So, but anyway, they made that trade, and they think, okay, this this, this team can't be beat. It's an automatic world champ okay so we, we play the season no we were, we were we were missing something you know reyes range was gone at shortstop so balls were, we couldn't get to certain balls and you got to play defense in the big leagues mm-hmm. i mean you not only not only not only do you have to catch the balls you're supposed to catch you got to take away hits in the big leagues that's yeah. what the, that's what the good teams do so anyway so there were still some holes and then we picked up r.a dickie of course from the mets he'd won the cy young 
the year before. So everybody thought, well, this is a team, but you know, it, it didn't, it didn't come together. You know, we, we, we still weren't good enough. And then, uh, and then he, then, then was it two years later, they signed Russell Martin, you know, as a free agent and traded for Josh Donaldson. That, that was the key right there. Cause what those two did, I mean, those two guys brought some toughness to the team. You know, they're both kind of, they always both kind of renegade type players, you know, tough nut guys, you know, grind it out. And they both played on winners, you know, Russell, everywhere he went, you know, whether it was playing with the Dodgers, it's crazy, the Yankees, the Pirates, yeah. you know, the teams won. And, you know, the, I mean, a catcher has a lot to do with that because they're handling the pitching staff. And Russell had this, you know, I mean, he had this toughness about him, you know, that, that rubbed off on the other guys. Donaldson the same way. But Josh necessarily isn't well liked around baseball because he, he can rub you wrong. But he's on your team, you love him, man. And, and there's there's a lot of there's a, there's a lot of jealousy and be animosity towards him because he's so good and because he beats you a lot. You know, same way with Batista. Jose's probably the most disliked guy in the, in the big leagues. You know, back when he was playing, you wouldn't know that if he's on your team. But guys on other teams just did not like him, just the way he carried himself or the way he, he beat you or whatever it might be. And so, so Josh brought Josh and Russell really made a big difference in kind of our perception or attitude change then you, you combine them with jose and then then eddie and then of course but now in saying that we, we roll around to the end of july trade dead, you know trade deadline day and we're still hovering around 500 you know even with those guys we were a better team but we just we slug it out we had the best offensive baseball that year this is 2015 but we couldn't catch the ball in certain spot we were playing you know uh chris colabello danny valencia in the outfield yeah. two infielders I mean, balls were dropping in that shouldn't, you know, in the balls are rolling through the, through the middle of the infield that you're supposed to get to the shortstop. So as much as we hit, we still couldn't get over that hump because, uh, you know, we couldn't stop other teams because we gave up too many outs. Right. So then of course it made the Alex Anthopoulos made the trades. He brought in to Lewitsky made that to me, that was the biggest move because they cleaned up our infield. I mean, like it was dramatic. You know, yeah. I mean, he, he anchored that if and I mean, we started taking away hits, and he was in the right place at all the right time, everything. And then, of course, David Price came over in that deal. That you know, and Dave, I think he went nine and one, ten and one. So he gave Something. us that stability, that ace. And then, you know, then we then we brought in uh, Ben Revere. He played some outfield. Benny could flag him down with the best of them. Fastest. So now we now we now we cleaned up some of the the holes, right? And now we and we just took off like fire. And then, uh, so that's kind of how that all, all, all went, you know, it, 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 uh, you know, there's, you can make all the moves in the world. Sometimes, you know, people say, oh, you can't lose now, but you know, they, they got to come together too. They got to gel, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they got, they got to, they got to be able to function together and play as a team. And like I said, we had, we have some, we had some high maintenance guys, some renegades, whatever you want to call them, but they played together. They, and they showed up to play every day, you know, and that, that doesn't always happen. You, you figure that should be automatic. No, so I've been on some teams that, you know what, becomes more of a chore, but these guys, they came to win and beat you every day, but they ended up pissing everybody off too. So it wasn't a necessarily well-liked team unless you were a Blue Jays fan, but and the team was good. Yeah, man. That team I mean, was... it was definitely, definitely a fun team to watch. I oh yeah. Yeah. That team was cool, man. Oh yeah. Just we just the, the power out, on that team. Oh yeah. The power yeah. on that team was ridiculous. That three, four, yeah, five was, was disgustingly good. It was just you knew like oh, one yeah. of them. When you have your three, four, five guys coming up in the order, and you know it's not a lock, but very when they're combining for a hundred plus home runs a season, that's just utter. That that is the definition of lethal. Hey, I can't tell you. I don't know. I, I'd be fun to look up. I don't know how many times we 
might have been down five, ten runs, and we came back and won the games, man. We, we, it, if we fell behind early by a large number, we didn't, didn't think anything of it. Yeah. We could get a, get a guy or two on base, somebody was going to hit one, you know? And that's a great we mentality as a manager to have in there. You know, yeah, kind of, you, just, you, know you, you just get out of the way. Yeah. Just let them do their thing, you know? Don't worry, boys. We're down ten. Bottom of the ninth. We're right. chill. Hey, slap some yeah, ass. Hey, we, just, just getting slam range. Yeah. You know? hey, we, hey, we, yeah, we got him right where we wanted, boys. We're down 10. Exactly. <laughs> Flip my hat around backwards. Pass me some chill. I'm chilling on the pine. You guys take care of this. But here, it goes to, though, what I was saying earlier again about confidence. The, the, yeah. The analytics don't matter. These, the guys on the team knew that, too, now. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, they, yeah. This is nothing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. some of those guys, they it's a 10-run lead, and they, they see that 10 runs, and they, they freak out, right? They don't right. – there's a lot of mental strength involved right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Totally, yeah, totally. And, that, and that's what, you know, analytics can't judge that either. Right. Of course. No. I got to ask, you, you say that team is full of fire and, you know, you know, kind of reputation being the bad boys around the league. That was kind of the peak time for uh, your ejections. I feel like, was that was that kind of, you know, part of the, the, the mindset that you kind of have to also bring <laughs> that swagger and that fire? kind of getting out there because i think you led the league in ejections and it looks like you like it too i listen man we looked you up we look you know obviously there's a 49 minute video 49 minute of every one of your ejections i was like whoa actually actually uh instant replay now stopped a lot of that see you know i mean now you look you look upset by that that. (laughs) (laughs) you know you can ask my fiance she'll probably tell you i have an anger issue sometimes (laughs) we'll get her on the show next week (laughs) for a follow-up no, no, but I, I used to, you know what? I always believed, you know, from my playing days, I always liked it when a manager would fight for me, you know, if, if whether it was a bad call or, 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 or have my back, whatever it is. So I, regardless of the type team I had or in my years coaching managing, I always made that a point. I said, listen, I may not even like this guy, but I'm going to fight for him. You know, he's fighting for, you know, it goes both ways. You fight for me, I fight for them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, what happens though, we were also known as probably the biggest whiners in baseball. Some umpires would tell us that we complained about the strike zone boy. And there's a lot of truth to that. But a lot of it, they were, I mean, a lot of it, you look, you go back and look at videos and stuff, it was pretty accurate. And uh, so some of the umpires would, would stick it to you, or at least you felt like they were, right? So that's that kind of led to some ejections because you sit there and you watch them. And then one of your players, you know, these guys, I'm talking about superstar players, start, start bitching and moaning, you know, if you don't fight for them. You know, they get, they get all pissed yeah. off at you there, too, you know. So it just all kind of goes hand in hand. You know, it's never an act. And there's sometimes you're frustrated. You know, your team's not playing good. You're tired of watching it. You want to get out of there quick, so you go argue and whatever. That's a, do you go, like, do you, <laughs> you go in? You your toe on the stairs as you're getting out of the dugout, whatever it is. Just to get you, yeah, just to get you, just to get you, yeah. Do you go into those, those getting, like, okay, I'm going to get yanked right here. I'm about to get tossed. Do you just kind of go into that? No. Mind? No, you know what? I never, I never, I mean, I'm just truthful to say, I never went out there with the intention of getting tossed. You know, some things might have been building, and I, you know, I might make some smart ass comment to an umpire from the bench, and then, then all of a sudden, you know, here it comes. And it just, how often, not, uh, how often are those umpires baiting you to be like, go ahead, go ahead? <laughs> well, you know what, happened. though? Hey, it's, hey, it used to be, you know, before, before all the TV, you know, the stream TV and all the replays and stuff now. Umpires could get away with anything, right? And they would, yeah. they would, they would, they would, they would stick it to you. And they'll tell you that, you know. But they'd also, they'd also listen to you. They give you that back and forth. You know, you don't, you don't get as much of that now anymore. You know, I mean, these, I mean, these guys are under the gun. I mean, you see everything. They get, they get beat up pretty good by the announcers on TV. You know, 
Uh, but they're all actually do, do a pretty damn good job considering. So, uh, but yeah, there's time they they bait certain guys. You know, there's, there's, there's no doubt about it. You know, when somebody's bitching and moaning at you all the time, it's tough. You know, as an umpire, you get tired of that. Oh, yeah. That job. You know, you can't see. So a lot of times they throw guys out, you can't blame them. Yeah, that job's relentless, honestly. You're sitting back and, there, uh, balls gunning any down. Guys, uh, any guys that umped while you were playing that continued to ump through your coaching days that you ran into again? Well, you know what? There's, there's a couple. There's a couple that uh, – that I even when I first started out in the minor leagues, they were down there in the minor leagues, uh, umpiring, trying to make it to the big leagues. And then when I, they got to the big leagues, and, and now now I'm coaching the big leagues. So it was kind of cool. Guys like Gary Darling, you know, uh, was one of them. He, he ended up retiring. Uh, it was probably about it's probably about four four or five of them. It's, it's kind of cool, you know. You grind it out, uh, you know, and you, everybody. You, it's kind of it's fraternity you know even with the umpires you know the players go you know everybody's in it kind of together um and so you you root for everybody and and it's you know it's it's a a wonderful life very lucrative great careers and all that but there's a lot of crap that we all bitch and moan about that you know oh yeah totally you know whether it's you know whether it's coming from an umpire or player coach so it's all so we all we're all kind of bound together by a little bit of that you know that's great i feel like it's the only the only sport where the coaches really get to express themselves. Like, like you don't really see it as much in, you see it a little bit in football. Sometimes you see it a little bit in basketball, but not to the same degree. And it's not been accepted. I think by like, by the fans as a part of the game. And I think yeah. that's something that like, I hope never goes away because it's, it's so, it's just organic. It's just like, I'm watching it. Like it's yeah. live. Like if, I mean, even if I'm not at the stadium, like it's great. Right. All it's Ref- referees got to be like the villains and referees and umpires have to be the villains. Of it's a tough job. Oh, yeah. Somebody's always bitching and moaning at you. But, you know, I, I, I can remember growing up, and, it, and they, it was kind of part it was part of the game. The manager would go out there and argue with the umpire, you know, and, and that's just kind of the of way. And then the umpires would argue back, and it was kind of I, – I, I miss that part of the game, you know, because you know, it's, a lot of that's been caused by instant replay, you know. And, uh, and the, you know, there's, there's, there's not – many characters in the game like you know you know like your billy martins or you know earl weavers yeah. those guys you know they were they were characters they, and people loved them and they, people go some people go actually watch them you know they were great managers but they, you know, they, they were hoping they'd come out of the dugout and put on a little show you know uh it's a uh, you know but ba- baseball i remember baseball is the only one that you know the manager puts on a uniform you know and, and they they and there's a lot of a lot of back and forth you know hell and football and stuff they'll throw they'll They'll hit you with, you know, the penalty, you know, if you're bitching too much on the sideline or, you know, a tee in basketball, who knows? Yeah, it's kind of the, it's kind of one of the, another one of the beauties of baseball. Yeah. Now, how weird would it be if NFL coaches and MLB coaches had to wear suits just like NBA coaches? Yeah, would look so out of place. Dude, John Gibbons coming out of the dugout in a suit is way different than him coming out in that little jumper in the hat. I, that guy looked pissed. I was like, damn, I don't know why. I was like watching the. I was watching the video. Yeah, good fellow. Yeah. You know, I don't know how many times. I don't know how many times my mother tell me. Hey, I, I want to see you smile a little bit more if we were on TV. I, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm happy. The team's playing good. What are you talking about? She just look, you just look so angry. Because you're you're you're, you're nice like gentle southern accent doesn't you don't look like you have that on TV. You look like I'm a New Yorker. I'm like oh that guy's definitely from New York. And then I hear you talk. I'm like oh no way he's he's not. Hey well, hey 
and my mom and dad are both born and raised in Boston now. Oh, there we go, man. So, so that, I got I got Boston blood in me. So hey, that's that's the that's the asshole in me. See? Yeah, my grand my <laughs> grandfather's from Boston too. I know the trickle down effect. I'm 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 I'm, I'm part of it, man. Um, but another guy that pick you brought up Price who pitched in Boston, and I, I was curious, like, what is your say in going? Okay, we you you're saying we miss him. You're knowing you know you're missing something, right? You know that the Jays need this, and you guys need to add that. You're saying okay, we need a Revere, we need a Tulowitzki to kind of shore up that defense. What's it like going out? How involved are you in getting Price? Do you go? We need a starter, and he's like already on. I'm on. I'm on top of it already. We're bringing Price, and what's it like bringing Price and kind of getting him acclimated? Because that is that mental part of the game. We've seen guys get traded to teams and it not go well. You know, right. and, oh, and yeah. them and them slump out through the rest of the season, and we're all sitting there like, why they make that trade? You know, but there is like that aspect of guys getting them acclimated, caught up to speed quickly in a new clubhouse, a, a team that they pitched against and were going against, and may not have liked, right? And kind of having to gel those personalities. Is there is that tough? Or are you heavily involved in that trade process? Yeah. No, well, yeah. You got. I mean, you got to once once you get them, you got to try to integrate them. You yeah. Know? And, and, uh, but as far as the way the way trades work, and I'm sure it happens everywhere. Um, you know, I was pretty, I was pretty tight with our general manager, Alex Anthopoulos. Basically what he did, he'd come to me and say, hey, trying to get this guy or, or you got, who, who do you like out there? And, and, uh, and, you know, everything depends on whether that guy's available or not, or if you have the money to get him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, cause I can tell you there, there's in 2014, we went into the, we went into the trading deadline. They were down, we're actually down in Houston. Mm-hmm. We were like, we were like at 500 a game back back of the wild card almost identical to what we were in 15 but there was no money left to make any trades right yeah i mean you know they have their budgets in in some some places they don't let you expand on that so we couldn't make any deals that fit because couldn't take on any money right Mm -hmm. some of the pitch some of the players bitched and moaned about and said some things publicly whatever but it wasn't for lack of trying just couldn't do it so the next year almost the identical thing Better team, but kind of in this, you know, even if every year is different, but kind of in the same spot. There was some money there now. I said, okay, so now when uh, you, could tr- you traded Tulowitzki for Reyes, basically the same amount of money a year. I mean, they were making per year. You know, Troy had a couple years long years longer on his contract than, than uh, Reyes. So the Blue Jays took on more money long term for that. But as far as that particular year goes, it was pretty much the same. And then uh, the, the difference maker was with, with, with there was some money left over at the, at the deadline. Was, you know, Price Price had what was it? He had two months left of the season, so whatever Dave was making, which was a lot, whatever he had left over on, on that year's contract, the Blue Jays had enough money to okay, we can trade for him and cover that, right? Yeah. So that's why they, that's why they were able to do that. You know, the year before, like I said, there, there was no money doing that, so they couldn't have brought anybody on and added added salary. So that's what kept really the team from doing anything. So that's kind of the way it works, you know. Right place, right time. It was kind of just, we, I mean, we had a big payroll. It wasn't like we were cheap. We had, we were we're spending some money. Oh but yeah. There was just that little extra money there waiting, and that's thank God there was, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised. It was a pleasure to work with Anthopolis. I mean, most Greek people are, are really easy to work with. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. That's like he, it's like his favorite guy in baseball. The uh, but you're back with him now. You're now you're working together again, and I, I kind of guess that goes back into the the situation of oh, relationships yeah. well, you know, in the Alex game. Was, uh, Alex, the first guy that hired me in Toronto, JP Ricciardi, was a 
old a ball roommate of mine we were teammates and lived together right mm-hmm. he played shelby north carolina so when he got that blue jay job he brought me over there he hired alex was one of his assistants was assistant gms so that's where i got to know alex then when they when i got fired uh a year two years two years later jp got fired that's when alex got hired from the assistant job and but we had hit it off pretty good when he was an assistant so then he brings me back so that's kind of how all that's in you know that's kind of it's 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 like anything you know you know the right people you know it's a it's a oh yeah game. totally man and, yeah and then so you know but you know alex is different alex is a go-getter man and, you know but the the, the beauty of he's highly intelligent good baseball mind just a good guy cares about you and your family but you know he'll listen to you not all gms will do that i mean he'll you know he knows he's he's getting paid to make certain decisions and and you know coaches and managers we want everything right we want this we want that but you also have to work within a budget and certain guys you just can't get you know you can't give up everybody to get this guy because you want him or what have you uh but one thing alex would always do he'd always he takes everybody's opinion and, and values it and then ends up you know having to make the he's not afraid to make uh decision he's not tough choices he's a very he's he's very quick he's not a quick trigger i I don't think that's the right word for it no but he's very he's very calculated but he's not afraid to make that move he's not afraid well you know he's not afraid to make a mistake if we're playing chess he's not afraid to sacrifice the queen type deal kind of guy yeah yeah too many guys are afraid to make mistakes and they're paralyzed and then you know what they never do anything yeah i he's put together a pretty good team down in atlanta i'll tell you that yeah what are your you know you know and he'll tell you he'll he'll tell you he inherited a good team. Yeah. You know they they built that system up. I mean he'll tell, he he says that all the time. He's he, you know he's he's a very humble guy, a gracious guy. But uh, you know he and he's in it to win. You know there's a lot of I think there's a lot of guys in the game. You know that you, you get paid really well and they're you, you know you just you, you enjoy the job. Everybody wants to win. Some guys are obsessed with it. He's obsessed with it. Yeah, and I think it's a good transition, Nick, because that Braves team is great. But that whole division, I think that's the toughest yeah, division in baseball, NL East. The Mets got the best pitcher. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't. I, and American League East is still pretty good. Oh no! Know. Listen, well, don't. Well, up until well, you know, I mean, Baltimore and in Toronto. Toronto's Toronto's going to do okay here in the next couple of years. But oh yeah, just anytime, anytime Tampa's turned it around, you know, and then anytime you got the Yankees and the Red Sox. But you know, you're right. The, the overall edge may go to the National League East, but you put them all head to head. We're about to get that. We're about to get that head to head. It's crazy because, yeah, right. and that's why it's I'm looking. First game anyway. I think it's Yank. I think it's Cole versus Scherzer is the first game we got, which is just thirtieth, twenty third. Sorry, thirtieth is thirtieth is 23rd. the NBA twenty third. So it's we're a short ways away. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts. It's a sixty game season, completely different. You're a man. Let's say you put your manager cap on. What's your strategy in going about this? Who's got the advantage? What types of teams have the advantage? Because looking at it as a from like an analytical or you know like a covering coverage standpoint, I look at a team like the Reds, who have good pitching depth and have good offensive depth, or I look at a team kind of like the Rays, and they've already been doing it where they're throwing out a bunch of pitchers at a time, and I look at a team like the Mets, whose best player is Degrom, and instead of getting him thirty-two times, thirty-three times, you only get him twelve or thirteen times. So our teams whose best players are the ace pitchers at a disadvantage comparatively to the teams who have like the great depth and offensive depth and bullpen. You know, it might, it might, you know, cause you know, pitching wins, yeah. you know, and, and like you said, you know, you got, you know, the good teams, they all have an ace or they got a really good one up top and they, but they usually have 
a couple guys, you know, that mm-hmm. they could, you know, just, just like you're talking about down there in Washington, Scherzer and uh, Straws. Uh, Straws. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, then the, the lefty they brought in. Yeah, they, they just keep coming at you, you know. And that's what, you know, the good Yankee teams always used to do and the, you know, Red Sox team. So that wins. But in, in, a, in the short season, you know, it, somebody comes out of the gates quick, a, a team, inexperienced team, a young guy, a bunch of young guys, you, you don't know. I mean, and they, they might, they might be able to hang on. You know, it's, it's the beauty of baseball, you know, I've always felt baseball, you know, when you play 162 games, I mean, it's a lot of games. You know, there might be a couple teams that overachieve, might be a couple that underachieve, but everybody finds their level when you play that many games, you know, mm-hmm. and you find out who the best organizations are. 60 games, I mean, it's like a sprint, man. You, you don't know yeah. you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, maybe there's an advantage if you got a bunch of young guys because they, they're sitting around, they're trying to make it the big leagues. They've been sitting around work, maybe working, doing a little bit more of that than the older veteran mm-hmm. because, hey, they're, they're, they're dying for the season to start. The vets – He's in limbo. He don't know what the hell is going to go on, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so maybe these young guys are a little, little more prepared. It doesn't take them as long. You know, uh, you know, it's going to be a short workout period they're doing now. It doesn't take them as long to get ready as some of those, those older veteran guys. So that might give them the advantage. You know, I, I, I really don't know it. I don't anybody. You know, nobody knows. Um, all I know, I, I think it's, I think it's good for the, the, the psyche of our country. You know, see, so get, get baseball rolling again. Definitely. You know, all the crap going on. Yeah, maybe a little screwed up. May not be, you know, you know, there'll be an asterisk and buy whatever some in that book someday. But uh, you know, I I think it's just gonna be good to see teams out there. The pods, man. Watch out for the pods. Let's go. Yeah, don't get, boy, don't I mean, get there, Harry Grab. This is all this is this is all we Osmer need. Yeah, he's he's he seems like a great guy. So I'm excited, for, I'm excited to see the Tatis uh, transition to sophomore season. Yeah, it was kind of, you know, but here, here we go again. You know, it's been these guys have been, you know, they've been waiting around. They don't know what's going on. They're, you know, yep. mentally, they're, mentally, you don't know how these guys are they prepared for the season because you get some guys that aren't going to play, and, and the, it's such a screwed up thing. You know, they're worried about what's going on in their families. You know, who's got this or who's got, you know, you don't know where their head's going to be. So is it might not even be a legit type year, you know, because right. everybody's affected differently. You know? I, I'm almost certain that someone's going to hit 400 this season. Really? I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna happen. I'll take well, that. I'll, it, I'll, I'll bet you there. This will be the year for it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Only year for it. When Chipper Jones was like, he hit. He was like three ninety four at one point a couple years back, and I don't. It couldn't last. If he couldn't do it's it, difficult, it's so. It's difficult. it's difficult, man. What What do you think the it's toughest? Base, what do you think the toughest uh, record to break in baseball is? If I may ask. Oh, it's got. It's got I mean, there's a lot of tough ones. They'll never be broken. Ripken, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody's gonna let. Hey, you know, what? In, in the in the sports, and there's and there's a lot of value to it now. You know, they they uh, with all these studies, they I don't agree with all of it necessarily, but you know, they <laughs> the front offices are really pushing. You got to give your players rest. You know, the the results are better. You know, give them a day off here or there. And it used to be a badge of honor in baseball if you played 100 back 150 some 162 games. To try to play all those games, you know, mm-hmm. you know they most guys didn't, but there was there was a few that did. Rip, obviously, Ripken played, you know, played them all. But uh, and fans come to see their they, they pay to see certain guys, so they want them in the lineup. Uh, but my, my point is with the, kind of the new thinking that uh, give these guys some rest, they'll be stronger. Whatever, whatever. I don't think it's been necessarily proven yet. Nobody's nobody's going to get a chance to play. 162 games this year, yeah. next year, you know. So that that's a big part of that. Game. 
you know, that, that, that'll never be broken. But, you know, the, uh, you know, the hell is going to be any more 300 game winners. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's you know, like, that's the, game, the, game, the thinking's gone. I mean, I don't, Impos. I, I the three thousand Ks is. I mean, you could look at guys. I th- I still think that's going to be tough. I mean, it's yeah. like my 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 dad's an old school Met fan, and he would always be like, "This is." He'd be like, "I don't understand what's going on. Why are they pulling Degrom out in the sixth? Tom Seaver used to go thirteen innings. I'm like, I, it's just not the way that you know. It, oh, just, yeah. it just doesn't go like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It just no, doesn't. And it, 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 it's 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 kind. Of, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's sad. I, you know, I don't like it. I mean, but you know, I mean, there's, there's certain, I mean, the, a lot of, most of the players have bought into that now. Really? You used to be play. You used to be players of pitchers would fight you, man. You try to take them out of the game. They, 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 they really want to stay in. They want, they, they, not all of them, but a majority of them wanted to at least, you know, try to throw a complete game. You know, back mm-hmm. in the old days, I mean, it was embarrassing if they didn't throw a complete game. Nowadays it's, you know, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's totally different in, in, uh, um, but, you know, I, I I don't know what you guys have noticed, but you know, I've watched the playoffs the last few years in, in baseball, and uh, I don't know how many times I see, you know, guys just like they can't wait to yank the starting pitcher, you know. And I think it's come back to burn some teams in the in the postseason. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, num- like we go back, numbers don't lie, but on any given night, you know, that in, I've been in this game a long time. On, on any particular night, that that pitcher on the mound, that's let's say it's just the starter primarily he it, this might be his night man he's just got it going on they can't touch him whatever it is you know you, you have you have nights like that as a starting pitcher and then you have nights where you're just averaging some nights where you stink mm-hmm. so when, when that guy's on that night he's throwing a no hitter or whatever let him run man let let let, let it roll you know because what happens because i've been on the other side of that and the the other the manager comes out for the other team and yanks that guy and everybody in your dugout goes thank you very much Right. Yeah, thanks, dude. Out of there. And, and all of a sudden, bam, it flips, man. And the, the other team just had the game in hand. It was, it was, what just happened? So that, game, that 10 runs, that 10 yeah. runs, right? The Jays are on the other side, and they're like, <laughs> the all right, boys, here we go. This, <laughs> that's the guys in those playoff games throwing no hitters, man. It's like they can't wait to take them out. That's crazy. It's like, really? So, so, well, that's another thing. There may not be any more no hitters thrown because nobody's going to let you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Maybe com- maybe combination no hitters, but not solo no hitters. Yeah, I mean, I think the Dodgers a couple of years ago there was like a rookie who had like a no hitter through like five or six or something, and Dave Roberts pulled him out, and all the Dodgers fans were you know up in arms and like you know what the hell, but kids on a pitch count, you know, got to but yeah, yeah got to the situation. Yeah. Now if if, if a guy's got going to fifth sixth inning, I mean, he's closing on hundred pitches already. He to go nine, he's going to be up there in the hundred forties, hundred fifty. Yeah. Problem. Yeah. And you know, if if it's a health issue, these these guys they can't do that. So you, in a situation like that, common sense has got to rule. You don't want to hurt right, anybody. Right, of course. But yeah. you know, it uh, it also, you know, some sometimes, man, it's it's a, it's a big mistake to get in get in the way of the baseball gods, man. They'll punish you. Right. Yeah. I yeah. I, I, I mean, I love where Bruce like he let Mad Bum ride. He just like rode Bumgarner, and it worked. It worked. Exactly. What what they won three World Series? Three in six years, Five. which is like no yeah. one ever talks about that. Everyone always no, talks. They were like they were the they were the Spurs of the yeah, yeah. The Spurs, yeah exactly. right? Like that's what we we cross sport compared him to. Which we know you're a San Antonio guy, so you like yeah, that. It, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the San Antonio. Yeah, hey, I, I I don't I don't know him necessarily really well, but I love Boach, man. I just love everything about Boach. He did. You know what he did? He, he let his guys play. 
he had confidence in him. And you know what? He, he, he knew, folks knew that guy, the man was good. He was, he was, he was good. He mm. knew he, cause he was an ex catcher. He knew good enough to just get the hell out of the way. Don't interrupt. And the thing, what happens too, we talk about, you know, you yank all these guys too early. I mean, okay. You yank these guys early and they don't pitch enough innings every night. You know, your, your bullpen suffering, right? Mm. I mean, somebody's got to pick up those innings. And eventually those guys get abused and now you get to the postseason. you know, they've had a long year anyway. And now you're throwing that extra, you know, how many weeks playoffs. So they're at they're, I mean, they're out of gas and you wonder, and then, then everybody wonders why, you know, you bring in uh, one of your top relievers at the, in the world series and he's, and he's not the same guy. He's struggling. Well, you know, he's got nothing left, man. He's been abused all year. Yeah. Expecting him, you know, he, adrenaline can take you only so far, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw Madden do it. He, he brought in Chapman once, and that was almost no bueno against the Indians. That was almost a train wreck. And it just goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was almost disastrous. Uh, a couple more questions for you, John, if you don't mind. The, yeah. Obviously, with the one question we always ask everybody, what's your favorite sports memory? Before we get into that, I want to know who the best player, and this is a loaded question, but the best player or best couple guys you've ever managed. Like the best, like all around, a guy where you're in the dugout and could kind of sit back, relax, and just watch the spectacle happen. I tell you, my, probably my favorite guy to ever manage, and I've had some good ones, man. And in, in that, and I, you know, but one, maybe my all-time favorite is Mark Burley. You know, you know, Great. Burley underrated. Burley picked up 15. You know, he, no hitter, perfect game. Yep. I, I mean, unbelievable career. Humble guy, just the the easiest guy to, to manage. You know, you take him out, he he never complained. But you know, he 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 worked fast. He was he just. He just was just a good guy, you know. He's in, uh, and I've had some really good ones. I don't want to slight anybody. Probably the best player I manage. I'm gonna go with Josh Donaldson. You know, you know Josh on both sides of the ball. And you know, I, you know, and I'm, you know, I've, I've had. It's hard hard to say. You know, it's hard to leave like Batista out. Some of those guys, Encarnacion, and stuff. It was just something about Josh. Probably the probably the uh, the guy that showed up to play. Every day, never, never, never wanted time off. Was always, and he could, he could be high maintenance with Batista, Batista, and, that, and that's almost the biggest compliment you can get anybody. This guy shows up to play every day, and Jose would piss you off, he piss the other team off, but the sucker came to play, man. Yeah. And he, he, he played hard, he played to win, and he knew the fans came to watch him. You know, he was gonna milk, he was gonna get every, everything out of his career. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and we we're talking about Hosmer. You know, I, I, I was, co- I was bench coach in Kansas City when Hosmer came up. Haas is one of my all-time favorites. So there's been, you know, I've been fortunate. I've had so many good guys. Yeah, but, man. Were you in your? So it's. Uh, and, and if, if, forgive me if this is touchy or please decline. No. Um, you, you in your first stint, you you were around Doc Holliday, in Toronto, correct? Oh yeah, love Doc. Yeah, yeah, love Doc. You know, Doc Doc was different though. You know, I mean, he, he was very quiet, kept to himself. But you know, the hardest he's uh, the hardest working guy. Yeah, I watched you know? that documentary, and it was ins- you really. I mean, people obviously you have there's there has to be a work ethic in baseball more so than any sport. In NBA, you if you're seven feet, you're seven feet. Can't coach height. You know what I'm saying? Right. In NFL, right. you can't coach speed. You're, if a guy's going to run a four two, guess what? He's running a four two. That's just the bottom line. Baseball more so than anything, there has to be that level of work ethic, and we hear it all the time. And obviously, to get to the show, you have to have some level of work ethic. You can't rely solely on talent. But I really, in that documentary, it hit home. And if you could kind of touch upon that quickly, his work ethic, I thought that was so amazing. Yeah, you know, I've never seen anything like it. You know, we, we 
it all started. We go to, you know, naturally in the off season, he's working his butt off. And I'm, I didn't see him in the off season, but I, I knew what he was doing. And then you go to spring training, you know, guys, guys usually start getting to the ballpark in, in spring training, probably, let's see, stretch about 10 o'clock. You know, it all depends, but they, let's say they get there about seven, eight o'clock, you know, it depends on veterans. You know, they, they're, they're better about it now than they used to be, but, but holiday would be there easily by five o'clock. If, if he's, if he's there after five o'clock, you know, he's running, he's running a little late and he, he put himself through, you know, he had his own, I don't know if he, he came up with it or somebody helped put a program together for him, but he did that. He did that religiously. I mean, it was, it was the most uh, impressive discipline I've ever seen. Even uh, AJ Burnett, you know, the team picked up AJ. He came over and his, his first year, he, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever holiday does. So he he start, he started showing up in the morning with Halley and it killed it, man. Yeah, <laughs> and it didn't it didn't it didn't last long. He's the hell with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, and it's like it's like one of those like I remember I don't know who it was, but someone went to work out with Walter Payton one time. Like I'm gonna go work out with Walter Payton. Oh, Walter and, run them hills, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and then they showed up one day, never came back. <laughs> never came back. Hey, but hey, but hey, uh, Roy though, you see. If, if he on, on his day on his day to pitch, you, you, you cross his path during during the afternoon or whatever, he wouldn't even look at you, man. I mean, you could you could you couldn't crack a smile. I mean, he wouldn't crack. I mean, he he, just, he he might not say a word all day. Focus. You know, he's so locked in. Yeah, and you know, I mean, even on the days he wasn't pitching, yeah, I mean, you get a little bit at him, but you know, he he, he weren't going to get a lot. He was he was very reserved, but uh, you know, a wonderful man. You know, and it's it's sad. It's really sad. Uh, what happened? You know, grew. Brilliant, I mean, brilliant baseball player, and, and he goes, he's back, he's back from the old. I mean, he's he's a throwback to the old workhorses, man. I, mean, I tell you, he went out there. His his he was gonna throw nine innings, and he's he was one guy. He'd give you that look. You come out of that dugout when he thinks you're gonna take him out. He 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 look over there. He stare at you, and it kind of made you think twice about taking him out. You know, <laughs> like, plus, yeah. the fans in the stands are booing your ass too because you think about taking him out, but. You know, I mean, in, in, you know, he he'd throw more innings or he most complete games every year, if I remember right. And uh, but he, you know what? If if something backfired, you take him out or whatever. He'd never complain, man. Just a first class guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. But Burley, Burley, Burley was just so funny and fun and you know easy going. But he, Burley, you know, again, is, I got something for you on Burley, right? Yeah, his command was just Burley. And then this, when I first yeah. heard this, I said, no way. Burley pitched about 15 years in the big leagues. Like I said, great career. Never shook off a pitch in his career once. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. He must have had about, I don't know, 15, 20 catchers in the big leagues. I don't know. It's, it had to have been. Never shook off a uh, pitch once. And he came over there and I heard that and I asked him about it. And he said, no, nah. I said, that BS at it. No way. I'm sorry. I was watching. He, he's, his, his, his philosophy was if I execute the pitch, it doesn't matter what the catcher called. If I if execute it right, they shouldn't be able to do much with it. That's all, and that's what he did. And another thing, on top of that, I mean, it's, ama- it's amazing. The fifteen years never shook up. So, so uh, you know, pitchers or pitching coaches in the pitcher that night and the catcher before each game would, you know, they'd have a little meeting to go over how they're going to pitch hitter, right? Burley wouldn't go into the meeting. He would just be the pitching coach of the catcher because he didn't care. He said, as long as the catcher knows what he wants to do. I'm game. He just, he just gives me a sign, so he didn't even go into this meeting. So. That's one. I want to go. How many catchers went through like six innings with him, and then like went to him like, you know, you can. 
if you want something else, like you can, you can mix yeah, it up. Like whatever. Nah, nah, nah. I'm good. Another, another thing, I think he's second all time left-handers in pickoffs behind Andy Pettit. Yeah. In pickoffs, he had a great pickoff move. And same thing. He never threw over on his own. You know, I mean, you know, most, you know, most of the good, good pickoffs from the lefties, you know, they got the, the little hang move, you know, they can hold, they can hang, hang, and that guy commits or whatever, and they got it. Unless the, unless the bench coach or the manager, whoever's running the running game from the bench, unless they put a sign on to throw over, he'd never throw over. So, so I mean, basically, he was basically, he was, he was your robot. He's just going out there pitching or eating. God he's second all time in pickoffs. God forbid you, know? you try to like watch a Netflix show or order Uber Eats with Mark Burley. Hey, what do you want, Mark? Yeah, I'm good for whatever. I'm down. Doesn't no cool. It doesn't matter. No, <laughs> whatever you want, man. I'll eat it. You want? Yeah. You, you want. yeah. Maybe, the moral, maybe the moral moral of the story we got in baseball and other sports, you got to get back to the basics. Sometimes we yeah. overcomplicate things instead of just going out and playing and whatever. You know, Burley's a perfect example of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you talk about taking like we just we talked about it so much, like the mental like strain that it can take, especially on a pitcher. It's like take that away, just trust your stuff. That's yeah, tough. To do. That's exactly. tough to do. That's tough to do. Yeah, but it's, yeah, no, that didn't mean he was going to throw a shutout every night. He knew that. I mean, that's just it makes it tough. I mean, it's good hitters. You make may make a great pitch. They they're going to get a hit. Maybe they may just not hit it as far, you know, because it was in a good location. But the odds are in your favor. Yeah. You execute. Yeah. Eventually, you're going to get them. They're going to hit it on the ground, or they're going to pop it up, or they're going to miss hit it or something. Him and Canerco, man, the two White Sox that were just so un- – I felt so underrated, him and Canerco. Those guys oh, were – Oh, hey, he's a great, hey, great buddy. Yeah, they always like they never got like hall consideration. I know the hall is so tough to make, but just like the cons- level of consideration. Canerco was dominant, and they won in Chicago. He won in oh, – Canerco yeah. won, yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy, crazy, but glad to know that about Burley. Uh, we ask all our guests this. Your favorite sports memory of all time could be anything. You watching, playing, managing could be from you know kids involved, like anything. Doesn't have to be anything crazy, but your personal favorite memory. My favorite sports memory. Gosh, that's tough. That's tough because you know there's so, there's so many. Uh, you know, I was, you know, I, I was. I remember watching that Olympics, man. They, when the U.S. beat Russia, you know, because I'm a proud, I'm a proud American patriot. You know, wow. I mean, against against all odds, right? That shouldn't happen. Oh yeah. I mean, that was one of the greatest upsets ever, right? Mm-hmm. I, I can remember, I can remember, I can remember watching, you know, seeing that, and, and you, you still see it. I still get chills, you know, because you know, I've always, I've always kind of viewed myself as an underdog. I always rooted for the underdog. Mm-hmm. And you know now we're now we're you know now we're talking Cold War stuff you know U.S. Russia against you know the the top teams ever the Russian teams against you know a bunch of Randy or bunch of you know has or castoffs yeah yeah we got you U.S. players yeah. are, you know that were known for their hockey I don't know what, what were your guys what were you three guys you guys got what are uh, your memories mine that's that's tricky I mean mine I. I I don't think we've ever we went through it. We went through it on the show, just us three. That's what that's a popular one. We've heard that one before. I'm a oh, huge. Yeah, okay. I'm a nineteen eighty. Yeah. yeah, I wish I was a lot. Yeah. I think I I, I, that was my that was my pops as we had him on and he for a while back and that was his favorite sports memory. Uh, so yeah, that's a that's a good one. I think mine 
I guess it's probably like the entire, I don't know, like it flips off, flip, flip, flip flops every day. But I was there in Dodger Stadium when the Sox won the World Series a couple of years back. I grew up a Red Sox fan. So that was epic. Also, Wilmer, okay. Wilmer Flores, when he got traded and then came, didn't get traded and they nixed it and he was crying. I was at the yeah. game where they hit the walk off home run against the Nationals. I was like behind yeah, home. I was behind home right. plate. I remember that. That was just like one of those beautiful moments in sports that you could be witness for. Yeah, that's probably one. Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many things, you know. That you, that's the beauty of sports, you know. Whatever, regardless of what sport it is, you know. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's why you know, as as, as Americans and in, in the actually everybody in the world, man, you just everybody loves sports because you, you you may see something you never, you know, some spectacular. The you know what the underdog can win, you know. Mm-hmm. Every time, every time. Yeah. Can't always, can't always trust analytics. The human element. Yeah. Exactly, oh, Dave. That's what I've taken away. Involved. Fuck the numbers. We're out on them. Uh, the, <laughs> and then just two, one more moment though, if we can ask you about what was the more electric moment for you guys in the clubhouse and in the stadium? Batista's three-run homer off Dyson, the bottom of the seventh, or Encarnacion's home run off of Ubaldo. What moment was the crazier moment for you, or like the more invigorating? Well, I, you know what. <laughs> Uh, two huge. I got. I, I got to believe it's Batista's. You know, because you know the, it had been 23 years since the team had been to the playoffs. We finally got back, so there was a lot of. You know, then we go down 0-2 to the Rangers. You know, and then we go down to Arlington and win two, and then of course that was Game Five, so that was winner take all. And that, that that was right after. You know that crazy play where Russell Martin was throwing the ball back to the mound and hit uh, since you choose bat. You know, door come walks in from third base. You know, because yeah, uh, and they take the lead. And then it was that hey, then the bottom half of the inning when all hell broke loose. They made three errors. You know, through great defenders, man, they couldn't catch the ball or whatever. And I, I think it was just a magnitude in the buildup. In the you know when that deal happened with uh, Martin throwing the ball back to the mound. You know, the, the dome there, man, was I mean, if the place was rocking, it was shaking. Oh, yeah. I like it was it was a little bit scary. And then. Uh, so now Jose comes up, boom, hits that, perfect guy. You know, I, I think that, that I remember that a little bit more. Anything, you know, it, it, you know, it, you know, they, of course it was a little bit controversial with you know everybody's all over Buck about not bringing in you know uh, the lefty, what's his name, Yankees Britain, now. Britain. You know, he had him up and have you, and then, uh, but it was like I was telling you about earlier about who Ubaldo, who owned us, man. He could just he could just throw his hat out there. So Buck, I'm, I guarantee you're new. Remember, remember that he figured he might be able to get an inning or something. And then, but I'm, so I'm sitting in there and, and I'm looking. I'm looking at uh, numbers. I'm looking at a number sheet. So I'm not totally anti-analytics. And all of a sudden, I just, I just kind of glanced up and here's Eddie. You hear that boom, and you hear the place oh. just erupt. And that was it. You know, it's like it happened so fast. Game over. You know. Yeah, and he comes. He comes around and throws the parrot up. Which is <laughs> such interesting dudes out. Baseball guys are so interesting, man. The, the Donaldson umbrella is a little more like reasonable, yeah, but the Perry. Oh god, that, that's that's weak. You know, it's it's funny. Uh, when I when I saw that when he did that land of the umbrella crap, I, I I texted. We keep in touch still, pretty good. I said, "What is that, man? What are you got to be kidding? That's that's rinky bum." So I sent him the video. You remember? Do you guys watch the Austin Powers? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, the intro. Remember the one where they're in the when they're on the tent and he's he's on his knee. He has yeah, knee. yeah. yeah. I can only see the silhouette. Yeah. 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 I I sent him that video. I said that's more like it. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. That's awesome. That's great. That's man. awesome. That's great. Uh, love that. Oh good. And then we get before we rock. We back to the baseball. Who do you think is going to win the World Series? Gut check reaction. You got to pick. Braves. Pick Braves. I'm down for it. I will say this: this is probably the best best thing could ever happen to Houston Astros, though. You think? No, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Everyone forgets about it. <laughs> Verlander's back healthy. No one, no, no one, none the wiser. Who's gonna win it? Let's see. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm going. I'm going with the Yanks, man. Garrett Cole. Yeah. Can't argue that. I know. You, I know you hate to say it, and I hate to hear it, but yeah, the Yanks. They're good, man. They're too dangerous. Oh yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're good. They're good. They'll, all, they'll always be good, man. You know, because you know the the uh, it's like Boston. You know, you, you guys the the fan base demands it. You yeah. Can't, you can't you can't go into rebuilds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know. Boston Yankee. I always tell these guys: New York, Boston at Fenway Park in the right field bleachers. And now that you're not, now that you're not the manager for the Jays at the moment, if you ever get a chance to go to that one as a fan, John, if you want to feel the danger, really? if you want to, oh yeah, if you want to feel the danger, yeah, good, because <laughs> it's all like the yeah. it's all the it's all the Southies who come to get into fights, and it's all the Yankee fans who fly up and can't afford the better tickets. Uh. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's just like hey, utter. You know, hey. Hey, in, in Yankee Stadium, I miss the old stadium. The new ones, man. You know the all the, you know the old stadium down by the dugouts. You know you'd have all them rabid fans, man. That they 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 kill you. This new stadium is goes where all the money is. You know the big all seats. The suits. Yeah, all right around the dugout. So you know it's like you don't hear anything anymore. You know you yeah. don't hear anything ragged. So that that's changed that atmosphere. I tell you that. Did you like getting shit talked? Yeah, I kind of enjoyed it. I always kind of <laughs> enjoyed being a. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta throw a little bit back now every now and then. You know, that's great. Within, within, within reason. That's yeah, hilarious. Now that I'm an adult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never too late, man. Ah, uh, man, John, thank you so much for joining us, brother. We had a great time. Hey, with hey you. boys, man, I appreciate it. I'll do it anytime. You let me know, man. Good luck to you. You're thank you so job. much. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right, boys. What we say at the top? Great interview. Awesome guy. Super fiery. Kind of guy you want to go get a beer with, you know, a lot of flavor to it, a lot of zest. Uh, wouldn't you say so, Toss? Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed talking to. John. I had a great time with. I him. know Nick did. Nick always, Nick always loves the guests when we bring him on. And Nick loves the guests. He does. <laughs> no one loves the guests like Nikki Snacks. Um, but speaking of flavor and zest, we have a couple new sponsors joining us today. It's been a minute since we've had sponsors. Yeah. We've had our True Classic Tees. We've had our betting websites. But I think we're back to some cool new things now. Uh, an oldie but a goodie, as well as a new newie. Yeah, really excited about this one. Um, yeah. Look, Josh, you've been cooking a lot mm-hmm. since uh pandemic hit. You know, everyone is dealing with pandemic dining at home. That's true. And I think something that's pretty important to do is to, to keep it healthy. Yep. Keep it simple. For sure. And one way to do that is by using OPA seasonings. OPA. <laughs> OPA seasonings makes it easier to fix meals by mm-hmm. taking the guesswork out of which seasonings you use for a particular dish. Which is great. It's, it's awesome. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of times where... You, 
you know, you're you're cooking shrimp, or you're cooking mm-hmm. chicken, or you're cooking steak, whatever it is, and you don't know which particular seasoning to use. Yeah. And they make it easy. Four different types: chicken and seafood, meat, salad, and the vegetable blend. So you just you line it up with whatever you're cooking at the time, and you know, you, a dash of opa goes a long way. And uh, it, it's not only tasting yeah. really great, but it's also promoting healthier eating, a la Mediterranean diet with better food choices. Um, yeah, and, and they give back. Finally, Opa Seasonings is donating a portion of their proceeds to give back to the homeless community. Yeah, that's great. Hashtag everybody needs to eat. Yeah. How man. true is that? That is so true. So go to opafoods.com, type in our promo code, the charity stripe at checkout for 10% off any purchase. Again, that's opafoods.com and type in the promo code, the charity stripe at checkout. That's great. And you know what? There's a lot of times where you're like, hey, I, I want to use something other than salt and pepper. Like, what do I do? I know I have, like, a lamb shake, and I'm not Greek. I'm not Mediterranean. How do I cook this lamb shake? Yeah. It's an issue I have. It's not often, but, like, every now and then. And I know, like, mint goes well with it, but, like, mm. what else? Can I, like, is it rosemary? Like it's more of a garnish. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, I need, like, the oat by my life. Yeah. yeah. I actually, I, I figured out the other day that salt and pepper is in pretty much every single seasoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a part of it. That's, like, what seasoning is. Like when salt and pepper plus when Gordon Ramsay goes season this liberally, he's basically telling you to put a shit ton of salt and pepper on it. Yeah, which is a fancy way of saying that. And he does Idi- not an idiot sh- sandwich. And what <laughs> idiot sandwich? Roy, okay, flavor. Um, <laughs> Nikki Snacks cried her seven out of ten impressionist. Nikki Snacks. I used to give a, a solid. That was the two words. I used to give a solid Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> That's all I needed was the two words. Uh, give me, I'll practice it then for the next week. Okay. Um, what do you? What else do we got on the dock? Because I know we have another sponsor, and this is an oldie, but a good way. Goodie. Yeah, also relevant, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, again, everyone's quarantined right now. But um, it's kind of being lifted or not in a way. Here and there. Here Every and there. state's a little different. Yeah. Um, but home security, super important. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the listeners who've been with us for quite some time, know that we, at one point in time, were robbed. Blindly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right under our noses. Um, someone Shanghai. We were, yeah, yes. The best way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah, what's the number one sign of a bad home security system, Josh? Um, no security system. Yes, but second to that is a home <laughs> security system that's so complicated that you never use it. Oh, yeah. And that's exactly the type of system Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. Mm-hmm. Simply that's Safe, great. I love them. Designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24-7. Very, very simple steps here. Order online, open the box, mm. place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. It's that simple. That's great. So head to simplysafe.com slash team and get free shipping and a 60-day Money back guarantee at simplysafe.com slash team for free shipong. <laughs> free shipong, yeah. Money back guarantee. It feels good to fear less. Yeah, that's for sure. Which, um, that's the, the simply safe guarantee. And like, it's not like I'm afraid of being robbed or robbed or home invaded because I know this time if someone comes in, I'm not going to put up with it, right? But it's just, it's annoying to have to deal with. The, the post game of being robbed stinks. Right. 
I've got I've got things that I need to do during the day. I don't have time to stand. Dude, that's what I'm saying. I don't have time to be fucking like baseball exactly. Bat. I don't know be talking like, running like a, a lot f- Steve and Stranger Things. You know, spikes in the baseball bat ready at the door. Like when we got robbed, we ran like a fake detective agency for a couple of days. And don't get me wrong, like I was telling, I was actually talking to someone about this the other day. It was fun. Like I, I would be lying if I said Sleuth like synonymous. That yeah, was the name of it, it was a good couple of days. Yeah. I don't know if I would do it again or want to. It's a lot. Took a lot. Tensions were high. Like after, like the fun and the humor worn are, down. Are PIs like still a thing? Well, I don't even know. I don't even think detectives are a thing. Yes, they are. They don't. They, they didn't seem like it. They on didn't that seem case, like so it on that case. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like, what, what, what they don't. What are they gonna do? There's bigger fish to fry. Yeah. I'd like to think. If you're frying fish, though, please use Opa seasoning. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, you too. yeah, you, you gotta to. use Opa seasonings. Uh, speaking of Opa, I feel like we have one more sponsor, do we, or do we not? Am I making that up? What two isn't enough for you? <laughs> no, two's enough. I just, I just was. There's a word. There was the word on the street. There's Opa. There was Simply Safe, and there was another one. Or is there none? Protect your home so that you can cook food. Okay, that's what we're healthy working. Mediterranean food. Perfect. This is there anything else? You? <laughs> I thought th- I thought we were like the family jewels. People were coming back. No. No. no, that was a vicious rumor. It was a rumor. All right, yeah. that's cool. I don't fuck them, honestly, until they come back. Mm-hmm. Then we're team them. Then we'll welcome them with open arms, open arms into our secure and safe home. That smells good because we're frying up our fish with delicious seasonings <laughs> from Opa. Manscaped, welcome to the cookout. Just kidding, you can't come. Not yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, but to the fans out there, we hope you enjoyed the John Gibbons interview. He's awesome. Uh, drag both feet inbound, swing a full count. Baseball is back. Get excited. Uh, hit that putt, hit that putt. Hit your PKs because they free. Throw that right hand because MMA, UFC is taking over the globe. And hit your free throws. Why, Toss? Because they're free. Because they're free. We out you. We love you. Anything's possible. Anything's possible.